something to stir up the leaves, which you would hear in one place, but also there's a certain musty nuttiness that would be added to the air in that first brush and be, be something you'd actually be able to smell. This is like wine tasting on a million steroids. It's just, there's no way, you know, and I'm someone who actually believes in wine tasting. You can, but the sunrise is where I draw the line. <laughs> like, oh, there's a nutty scent in the air. What the? It can still be night. You don't know. Ugh. All right, I, I won't rage against this. But if someone, <laughs> if someone I knew said I could smell the sunrise, I would challenge that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 1,000 Crazy Questions, the podcast. I'm your currently sane host, Houston Pierce. This is a podcast where we have at least one guest a week and ask some series of crazy would you rather questions. We can do the psyche of our guests for top of the questions. Maybe we should have explored. I did my questions from you, listener, from a list of 1,000 questions. You can submit questions, suggestions at me at 1kcrazyquestions.gmail.com or at 1000crazyquestions on Instagram. That's 1000 on Instagram. And um, your social media username will get a shout out if your question makes the episode that you have submitted. Uh, please rate and follow 1000 Crazy Questions on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's the intro. As fast as I can get out of the way, let's get into the episode. This week, we have Mr. Noah Headley. He's a recreational mathematician interested in technology, history, culture, and economics to fill in the gap. Sorry, economics. Yeah, economics to fill in the gap. Uh, Noah, if you want to take it over and introduce yourself to the listeners a bit. Yeah, sure. So I'm a recreational mathematician, and uh, I'm working on getting a new kind of financial marketplace patented. Cool. Anything you do, you know, for fun when you're not, you know, working on such a giant project? Well, recreational math, so so I've got that. Uh, I'm also, as we talked about before, an, a pretty avid reader, uh, although these days mostly I get to read things that are online. And I've launched a podcast with the former CTO of Reddit, Marty Wiener, where we talk about AI and its consequences. That's crazy. That's awesome. There's so much to talk about, but I'm going to explain the rules to the audience real quick. There are two rules to this game slash conversation. Rule number one, you must always answer the question, no matter what. If you have no preference towards one or the other, you say the phrase, the coin, meaning that each choice is 50-50 to you and that one is neither worse or better than the other. But that rarely happens, so it may not get used. Rule number two, whoever asks the question doesn't have to answer it if they choose not to. These rules exist because as the questions become harder to answer, the rules become harder to follow. This week, we have a blue pen episode, so the questions asked on top of discuss will be family-friendly. If you want to check out the red version of this podcast, which I promise I have. I think I have more blue than red, maybe. I don't know. I haven't counted. But they're just as uh, raunchy, uh, ridiculous, and I encourage you to go check them out if that's what you're into. Um, though, I just want to remind you if you have any, any questions for me or any variations of the questions I've asked you, this is a conversational podcast. You are not interrupting. This is a back and forth. Um, quick point disclaimer to the listeners. Everything is hypothetical. I said that every episode, but it's true. If you're offended at me, I probably won't answer, but you can do it. And uh, lastly, lastly, before we begin, um, Noah, is there anything that you would like to ask and or declare? Are there any um, inherent such mental biases you know you may have? Uh well, I kind of need things to make sense to be able to remember them. So let's see. Let's see how much of this I'll be able to remember. Okay. Interesting note. Interesting note. I don't know if Laz is going to make sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first question. Would you rather have a British accent or a country accent? And this is permanent. Okay. So 
country accent, I assume you're talking about an American country accent, something, yeah. something like a South, Southwestern type uh, accent. Like a deep British. twang stereotypical type of almost cowboyish type of accent. Like your jaw right, is right. always drawn. Well, um, so one of the, the interesting wrinkles for that is that historically we happen to know that the British accent is quite young. The American Eastern accents are actually closer to the original English than than modern British accents are. And I assume by British accent you specifically mean received pronunciation, the, the Queen's or the now the King's English. Um yeah. because, for example, the pirate accent was actually popularized by Walt Disney's Treasure Island. Uh, where the guy playing Long John Silver was just had a Dorset accent. I think it's Dorset. Um, so, so to me, uh, the country accent, or in particular the Appalachian accent, which is local to where I live, is much more English than the English accent actually is. Hmm. So, so that that all kind of swirls around in my head. Um, in general. Uh, I guess I got to go American. Uh, I'd, I'd pick the country accent. Um, and, and if brought up on it, I could at least point out that the puns in Shakespeare work better with that accent. With a country accent or what? You know, uh, yeah. South, yeah. South, South American the, the, accent. The, 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 yeah. The Southern American accent and, and even more particularly the Appalachian American accent uh, is almost particular, almost exactly what's known as original pronunciation and uh at the at, at there are there are op shakespeare renditions uh -huh. where different kinds of jokes come out because the puns work with that accent and they do not work with the royal shakespeare company accent that's crazy to think that's absolutely bonkers and i don't use that word a lot okay because i I've been to London once, and I've—I don't know—I've heard, and I've had this friend who's British, British, doesn't lost the tea, and he—I've heard that they hate the American country accent, like they—they they, like it's annoying. It's like a dumb version of American um, accents, which they already think is um, inferior the, yeah. to start with. So, what you're telling me? Is that the like the bumpkin type of accent that I'm imagining is the way to pronounce Shakespeare? Correct. Yeah. Uh, that the, the the modern received pronunciation accent uh, was invented, I think, actually during the Victorian era, uh, but might be a little bit older than that, uh, and developed over a couple generations in an attempt to uh, basically allow the british upper crust to sound smarter I know. And... <laughs> that's wow that's funny that's that's like every stereotype come true because we always I, I, maybe i'm speaking for myself here but it seems like that accent is needlessly um pompous like oh we're going to go to hospital like it's the the hospital it is a place but you're going it's it, it just I don't know, and just the way it's pronounced, and the ups and the downs—it's very—it's not natural. So that's funny that 
if what you're saying is true, which, you know, I have no reason to disbelieve you. I, I'm not really going to look it up. Maybe I could, but I'm just saying like, that's crazy. That's, huh? That's, that's pretty much my understanding of the case. And uh, yeah. So in that case, I think I'd probably rather go with the, the older version that works better with the better uh, language. Although wow. there are, there are some great British comedies out there. You know, Jeeves and Wooster works better in received pronunciation um yes minister uh if humphrey appleby spoke like a a you know backwoods tennessean that would not sound nearly as good man uh wow i i can't uh i can't even argue this question at all i i mean i'm gonna go with you uh country accent it is next question uh would you rather Control all technology with your mind or control all forms of uh, animal with your mind. And I say all forms because I'm including insects and people will make that separation. But it, an insect is an animal. So yeah. just just the animal kingdom in the in, general. In the phylum. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll exclude humans for everyone's like, oh, people are animals. We're, we're making an exception. We'll I mean, make they're... a specific exception for the genus Homo. And, yes and just sort of cut yeah just out. because there's a whole argument that's a, there. that's a mess yeah, yeah. I'm not touching it this is animals and we're going to stay away from germs and bacteria right. yeah too, yeah of, bacteria right. viruses those would be different uh kingdoms so we're not going to cope with yep. that no no fungus or plants just no nope. yep um uh technology or animals there's some massive advantages in both directions, obviously. Uh, I think I'd go with the animals. Hmm. Okay, I'm shocked to hear that. You know, considering just, you, you know, what you're trying to do with tech, you know. Well, I mean, basically, I'm already good at controlling technology with with my own schemes. Okay, uh, low-key flex. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not nearly as good with creatures and technology is basically designed to make controlling it easy already whereas control of all animals strikes me as the sort of thing that is very difficult and therefore would be a lot more valuable in every phase i could think of you could uh, do pest control uh at at large scale which would be unbelievably valuable and yes. free up tons of time to read which is what i like to do with the spare time i'm not using solving math I think, problems i think both both of these though are not to interrupt i think i think both of these can be used to make tons of wealth uh, i mean because well if, so you, if you're 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 thinking, a catch-all geek squad as that you like you that's that's yeah. somewhat true but thinking through again controlling uh Controlling technology that belongs to other people is still somewhat immoral and potentially illegal. Whereas it's, it isn't not for animals. I mean, if you and, and we've well, proven how a, smart they can get. That's true. That's true. And yes, there might be some serious ethical issues with, say, interfering with dolphins and 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 uh, yeah, monkeys, elephants, dolphins. Uh, yeah, even dogs have a really high sense of like. There's a lot that people will get mad at you for. Right, absolutely. But there's a considerably large number of wild animals that don't really count as being owned or controlled uh, that do extreme amounts of, of damage that the reduction of which could be quite valuable. 
and wouldn't necessarily even uh, particularly bother the animals. Squirrels and, and other rodents, for example, do enormous amounts of damage by chewing on power lines. And I could imagine, uh, you know, saving billions in potential by actually saving the lives of those animals by by influencing them to find electricity bearing line sheaths to be distasteful so so i mm. i see i see more uh easy wins on the animal control front than on the technology control front for me hmm. i guess i i'm thinking in a very gaudy type of way and like if i were to come riding into town square like like new york city where town square and like a wave of rats or something like that and like if if you wanted to just show everyone this is what i can do what would be more impressive like being flown in by a flock of birds or having i don't know a car that, that that's unoccupied but a car drive up to you pick you up and just kind of turn all the tvs in in town square like all the screens just to your face and like i can do this i don't know i something if you wanted to show a force to the world, what would you rather have? Just technology, which is like how everything is run. Like, like that's. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, from, I think, I think, yeah. From a Lex Luthor perspective. Um, yeah. Think, thank you. I think, I think technology is definitely the way to go. Uh, but for me personally, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm adding one of these two capabilities to my, my, my set of, of powers, the issue I'm currently up against with launching my major project is that I basically need to find somebody with tens of millions of dollars of resources. Oh, that. Okay. This is a partner with me. This is so immoral, but I have to say it. If you can control technology, the money moves like, like water. Like I understand that, but that's again, morally not. Not particularly happy whereas morals, morals getting in the way <laughs> the, the animal control thing looks like an opportunity to almost immediately generate billions of dollars in revenue at which point it becomes trivial to fund this uh you know market of evil thing and uh okay. and there could be some even better ideas as well okay uh for the sake of argument because i do agree with you um you could take money from those who are not so deserving of it or that's resting an account of someone that's not ever going to touch or use it somewhere where there's like a a reserve of something that you know will not either will not serve a good purpose or is not going to be put to use like there has to be a bank account out there somewhere that belongs to someone who died generations ago and it's literally just sitting or i don't know some some dictator that's, somewhere in a world where he's oppressing true, but... his people and like ah do you want to fund him yeah will this come you know i don't there's so many you know yeah I'm... well there's the yeah that's the the sneakers answer did you did you see you said you were a movie guy have you seen that film i have not i know i know the film but i have not seen sneakers unfortunately okay well you are a little young for it i actually got to catch that in the theater they basically get the power to control technology with oh. MacGuffin in well, that film. Oh well, dang it! I have to. And see they that. and they uh, and they close out. It's not a spoiler because it isn't germane to the plot uh, mm-hmm. in in any meaningful way. Uh, but there's a a newspaper or a, a 
like a direct to address you know how films always have like a newscaster deliver exposition a newscaster is reporting that the uh republican party has announced that it's completely bankrupt but not everybody is doing so badly because like greenpeace and the united negro college fund and maybe something else uh all had record anonymous donations this week um so they hmm. they're they're choosing to move money around like that. Mm. Oh, uh, okay. That's, that's interesting. That's, uh, but, but that's, yeah, that's, like I said, that's a, a total sideline to what sort of the film's actually about. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't agree that the current disposition of property is, is reasonable or legal. Um, but I'm not under the impression that, my personal judgments should redispose those things and so yeah i'm not i'm not batman basically <laughs> you, yeah you're not gonna take matters in the economy and the whole world's treasury into your <laughs> yeah. own hands yes yeah. i i understand i i understand that's funny. I mean, I guess uh, there is something we can move on from this stuff, but there is something you didn't mention that I want to point out that just is liquid gold is killing all mosquitoes. That would be great. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, that 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 would be great. Um, I remember reading I, you might be referring to this article, but um, like science or nature did a did a poll on like which animals we would be better off without and mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Won. mosquitoes. And they they interviewed an expert on mosquitoes uh it's like you know some guy with the phd and dedicated his life and they were like okay you know real talk closed doors what's the you know the food web circle of life like yeah. all the mosquitoes disappear and then like you know the sun implodes what happens three days yeah. later. Like, what yeah. happens? and he was like Everything is just healthier forever. (laughs) I swear, maybe we're talking about the same expert. I haven't read that. I've seen this guy's YouTube. Like I'm, like I said, more of a video person. But anyway, uh, like I was going through YouTube, and there's this guy talking about mosquitoes again. Expert in a room, like, hey, what happens? You know, when if they go, he's like, well, their main goal is population control. Like they're they kill other. Their purpose is to kill other things. Like the the worst thing that would happen is that we have a lot of these other populations kind of come up, but then other things will kill them. So it's. Yeah. 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 Or we can kill them. Like mosquitoes don't have to. And we'd live more too. Like it's just. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, Oh God. They're unbelievable. It's a plague. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So for that reason, I actually would switch to animals, less moral ambiguity, and mosquitoes are liquid gold. Oh, they they can go and like, yeah, pay me, and then I'll get rid of them. And yeah, and and I probably have a tiger in my bedroom because why not? If I'm doing that, you know, a, a friend tiger, a friend. Yeah, tiger. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely safe under those yeah. circumstances. Why not? Do, do I, I have, that? in fact, yeah. petted a tiger. Did you go to so, like, one of those like zoos that with the for exotic animals? No, so. I've heard so I never actually watched that Tiger King documentary, but some really? of my family members did. And I've heard that one of the tertiary characters in that is this same guy. When I was a child, we had a guy move to the county that I live in who was a magician and he had tigers and and other exotic animals in his act. 
and yeah. he got he got picked up for having you know unlicensed exotic animals and as part of his community service agreement he had to do his show uh for all the local city schools and so we got to see his magic act when i was like six or seven years old and once it was over he actually had the tiger like sitting there on the stage in my elementary school and they lined up all of the kids to go past and we all got to put our hands on a tiger and if you think of like stiff velvet on a rock that's what tigers feel like <laughs> like the fur the fur isn't like buttery soft but it's reasonably soft but right after the fur the skin i mean you know like arnold wishes he was this swole like that the, the, they are they are solid objects wow that's a great description <laughs> that's and that's a story wow i think wow i think i know the guy you're maybe talking about is like this really kind of a plumper older white man with a big beard uh he, he not a beard I, I, he had like white hair not, i guess he didn't well have a, so he had a small so beard. When I was a kid, it would have been three decades ago. So he, he, so he was older in the documentary. He was, he was an older man. Right. Yeah. So he was, he was younger when I saw him. Okay. Uh, That that would still, he would be around. But yeah. 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 I've, I've been told my sisters both loved the thing. And so my stepmother and my father, I think, saw it and they said, yep, that's the same guy. So, you know, I believe them. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe is this guy I'm thinking of. That's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> wow dang all right cool uh we're gonna move on to the next question but that's crazy would you rather know that you can switch lives with your offspring anytime you want but once and it's permanent or find out you live in the matrix and you have the opportunity to leave well switching lives with your offspring strikes me as completely evil um Hmm. Learning that you're living in the Matrix and having the opportunity to leave. Uh, you could I mean, stay, of course. I mean, you could the, stay, but the door I mean, is open. Yeah, yeah. Leaving is is aspirational. Uh, at least you've got something. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Matrix. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess I can see why it would be a little evil. But what situation would you think like that? Like, do you think there's no situation that warrants? you switching a spot because like your offspring would be you know it's the The only thing i could meaningfully think of would be if your child was terminally ill and you were okay and Mm. you took that for them uh because otherwise you're just taking life from your child i mean that's that's vicious Mm -hmm. yeah no i didn't think about that I didn't think about that. If they're a terminal, I was thinking more in the in the sense of your child is, let's say they're in their forties and you're an old man and like your life is winding down for you and I don't know you switch spots. I mean that'd be terrible for them because they're suddenly in the right. past. Yeah, right. like I mean that's that's there. the specific issue. Yeah. Is I mean yes. Yeah, you'd have to be evil, like you're 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 gaining some kind of life. There's actually um it's not it's not, you know, uh parent to child relationship, but uh 
Alan Alda made one of those satanic freakout films in the 70s called uh, maybe Satan's Concerto. Somebody's Concerto. Mm, I think. Sounds it was, really familiar. Um, and the, it's it's not clear whether or not this is actually the case. The uh, the the bad guy from the Spy Who Loved Me uh, plays this piano maestro, and Alda plays a sort of failed concert pianist who's become a reporter. And so the maestro, he, he goes to the maestro to interview him. The maestro takes a shine to him. The maestro is a practicing Satanist along with his young girlfriend. And the maestro dies in a ritual, uh, which is theoretically supposed to transfer his soul into the body of Alan Alda. And then Alan Alda, and then he leaves all of his property to Alan Alda. And Alda starts behaving bizarrely and getting back into music, but it's left, you know, sufficiently open, like the Omen, the, in the original Omen, the director felt that Damien was not in fact the Antichrist and that it effectively has a happy ending because, yeah, yeah. yeah, Richard Donner's opinion is that Damien, it's just that the Satanists are delusional. Huh. Hmm. I've never. It's. But the movie oh, again. I get. I've read. I've read the. I've read the movie. I've seen the movie, and you know, like it's just. It's so framed I've, as he's. I. He's, I have never seen it that way. But but Donner claims that that's sort of the way he if, thinks. That if that's the way. Done. If that's the way he thinks, is that the way it was showed, or like. That, no. That kid, no. Obviously, there's actually more Omen films, and the further Omen films make it extremely clear. This that, is the devil or the Antichrist. The, this the, is the, not. Yeah. Like, this is not. The Damien's the guy. Uh, yeah. But but that was that was for that one. So the the framing in in the Alan Alda movie is a lot more ambiguous, and it's possible to think that it might go some other way the thing that gets really weird is that alda sort of pulls away from his wife and gets into a relationship with the hot chick that was the old guy's side piece who's also his like satanic witch like guide and stuff um he's taken over her life essentially right yeah and and his wife becomes extremely unhappy and starts and she's the one that sort of puts together this whole satanic thing and his wife actually the the movie concludes with his wife having committed suicide in the ritual fashion that will theoretically allow her soul to possess the 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 witch doctor side bent uh chick so okay (laughs) I, i was it was kind of interesting and weird but then that little piece, that that little that last section is like, all right, yeah, then that that's a stretch there. That makes it that makes it a little. You can't go for the good bad ending, like oh yeah, these two <laughs> evil people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even the two evil people if it's real, because it would be the soul of the the old guy who's a long term Satanist who's been living forever by transferring bodies, but his 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 girlfriend's been hijacked by this wife that just wants to be with the body of her husband in a new body it's all very it's all a little mishmash oh, i think i need a map 
I think I need to like a, di a diagram. Like, wait a minute, who's in whose body? Because I was the um real quick. This but anyway, yeah, taking other people's bodies as a mechanism. Well, again, uh, get out. That would be another example. That's of... yet yeah, again sinister. Um, sinister yes. means. Uh, yeah. Also, um, being John Malkovich, have you got to you know the end of that uh, one where they right. they leave that open too, where the kid is like. He's like, move your arm, and the kid, and you're like, oh, that's all. Like, he went from being kind of a selfish, awful character to being like, oh, he's like, this is we've transcended <laughs> from being selfish and like, and kind of he was still evil, but for, to like true, true evilness, really, that's a child. So like, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get, yeah. You know what? Um, what was the other option? The Matrix. Yeah, I take it too. <laughs> Man, that was a trip. Next question is an open-ended one. Do you think people need bread and circus and is it necessary for the way our current society kind of runs? And I'm we live in America, so that's what I'm kind of referring to right now. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. So the way I think about this is that people need purpose and resources to live. And it's not worth arguing which of the two is more important because people without either basically dead in the very near future so bread and circuses bread is is the resources um at the very basic level and circuses is the purpose at the very basic level and so a society that has become dominated by bread and circuses is on its way out um and that's what i see for america yes but basically everybody these days. Um, I don't think that our political and cultural and even philosophical and religious institutions are currently strong enough to provide purpose in a world with computational machines. Um, it's a much harder problem than we've faced before. And, and I don't think we've actually solved it yet. Uh, we're really good at providing resources. We're getting worse. I think we can do a lot better. And and it is a step up, in my opinion, to have the purpose of getting better at acquiring resources. It's not a big step up, but I think it's enough to actually have a future. Um, and so... To me, bread and circuses is, is essentially the elites giving up. Hmm. Uh, the bread and circuses is what what happens when the elites literally don't have anything going for them. And so, whether you're talking about the Caesars or Napoleon uh, or you know hmm. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and and hmm. and the occupant of the White House, that's that's what's going on if we had if we had a purpose we wouldn't need meaningless entertainments and and subsidy and when our nation had purpose uh either in the exploration and settlement of the west uh which was which was near the top of the list for quite some time or uniting to win the second world war which was kind of the big last one uh there was a little bit going on with the moon landing there but things like reagan's call to to you know ending the cold war or 
Clinton, I mean, call to balance the budget, which lasted for less than zero time, technically. And, and it's just become more and more amorphous, less and less consequential. And that's, to me, a sign that they just don't understand what's going on and don't have the ability to innovate at, at that scale, which is really a shame because we've learned so much more about the universe. I mean, properly vetted and, and couched and so on. Uh, did you know that we actually sent a probe into the sun in the no, last few years? I have yeah. For, I mean, yeah. for what? For, for To see how fast it melts? So the surface of the sun technically isn't what you'd think of when you look at the surface of the sun, because the sun actually has this ridiculously powerful magnetic field around it. And so there's this entire zone of sort of trapped plasma wisps that are ridiculously, unbelievably hot inside, but very, very diffuse and therefore having very, very low energy content in these unbelievably powerful magnetic bands okay. and we sent a probe that went within that that distance and and sampled some of these uh, uh fluxes and other things directly okay so it, it didn't go i was thinking like it goes into it just to die i'm like oh, okay it goes went to the surface and stops and collects okay yeah right. um also, we've been building better and better uh, solar telescopes, and modern solar telescopes can resolve basically uh, 21 kilometers, I think it is. So uh, we have pictures of the surface of the sun where each pixel is, you know, the size of about 400 square kilometers. Um, so that's that's getting that's getting pretty pretty precise the, we've also got the james webb telescope that's looking at the outer reaches of the universe and generating yeah. all kinds of stuff that no, nobody could possibly have imagined was there so you know there's those kinds of things there's breakthroughs in particle physics there's the breakthroughs in in computational systems google used their their deep learning prospects to mm -hmm. increase the number of known crystalline structures by a factor of five uh mm. just a few months ago um so there's just there's just these vast new fields that have opened up in front of us to look at the world and think about things isn't that also and, yeah no sorry is, is but isn't that all it's a double-edged sword on in that front right because there the more we know like the easier it because it is to ignore like you said this at the beginning like um because like we have a bunch of computational knowledge and that's kind of hurting us in a way that things are be things are automatic and we don't have to do the math necessarily to to figure out something anymore so yeah it's, yeah. yeah well that's that's the trick like what what kinds of stories can we tell that we could participate in in this in this system and that's that's the kind of question that that you know poets and priests could make contributions to except they're not doing that the mm -hmm. 
you know, what kinds of laws do we need in a world where I see what you mean. Our understanding of of ownership is changing. Yeah, we need to look more into the the ethics, the the philosophy of the why, how, the rules of what we should be doing and where we're going and how fast we're going there. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, most of our systems is essentially devolved into trying to figure out how to reaffirm that whoever's at the top of the heap belongs there. And, and those justifications are becoming ever more threadbare as it becomes more and more obvious that the people at the top of the heap don't belong there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but because it comes more and more bare, people are, I think have, have to pay more attention because we have more attention on everything now more than ever. Um, But I want to ask you this question too, related to this one. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you put a lot of stock into of importance into, you know, exploration and technology, which I do too. But what about those who find their meaning in circus? You know, like someone who, a singer, for instance, I'll pick Beyonce because, you know, that's just, why not? Sure. Yeah, like her, I think everyone would most likely agree she was put on this earth to sing. That's what she's got and entertain. Like, that's what, that's what her thing is. Um. I mean, I'm sure she does other things, but just that, you know, that's, that's her, uh, that's what she's known for. Do you think, you know, like there's like, yeah, it's a sign. It may be a sign of a dying system. And I see that, but like, there should always be a place for it. No, you know, for, uh, for I, yeah. yeah, I, I think, I, I think that that's, that's a, a meaningful, uh, part of the system, but, um, as the end goal that's not that's not a end goal that that is large enough and what large enough means in in an era of computational technology is radically and vastly greater so the west worked for a little while but the west you know is finite we get to california a few people headed over and got to got to Hawaii. Some crazy people have, have, you know, colonized Alaska. Um, yeah, they're crazy. But we can't keep expanding West without bumping into Japan and China and Russia. Yeah, and you're, oh, I mean, and, he's and France. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually. So, you know, the Westward expansion would come around and, and wash over New York City and, and that would be the end of that. So, up and down. That's all that's left. Up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now that's that's a potential possibility, but the the wealth and technologies required for reasonable uh, solar, extrasolar, uh, or intrasolar exploration and colonization are or aquatic going on or yeah. or yeah, aquatic. Those are those are both very expensive prospects, uh, and and we're not creating lots of wealth these days so to me the goals are going to have to be able to stand up against arbitrary recursion uh and what things like generative ai is demonstrating is that performance doesn't stand up against arbitrary recursion because uh, there's a guy uh who basically trained like some kind of deep learning thing on Frank Sinatra and 
and he can do kind of like deep fake with video but with audio and so he can create frank sinatra covers of anything so yeah if, i've if, heard a couple if, of those things i, mean, I haven't yeah. heard the one you're talking about but i've heard yeah so yeah so that kind of capacity means that while Beyonce is undeniably a great performer who has a lot of followers. Um, we are on the cusp of a world where people could have Beyonce robots singing their class notes to them if they wanted to. Okay, like something that would used to be you need a ticket to see this person live or you need money to buy this person's music they recorded is now you can make take this steel, this person's voice and put it in their robot and have it. Something that was once special is super right. commercial boxed. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so, you know, we're, we're not, we're not close to this yet, but people are actively working on it and they're getting a lot better. Um, imagine the say entire you know, golden age Pixar production staff gets gets wrapped up in a box. And hmm. so now you can go pull a open, you know, things that are in the commons. So you can go grab 19th century literature and, you know, like take take some book that that was written by Charles Dickens and drop it into this box and and the Pickwick Papers as done by Golden Age Pixar is now available for you because you like the Pickwick Papers and you want to see a movie version. And that's something that 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 combination of technologies really is close to being possible. Now, also being something you could privately do off of the kinds of computer resources that average people have that's still a little bit further away but it's only a little bit further away are you familiar with uh richard wagner's theory of total art uh, i'm not are you familiar with wagner and the ring cycle at all um i only know by name richard wagner okay so Wagner was a composer and a, a fairly gifted one, but yeah. he had the misfortune to be uh, a contemporary of Beethoven, who is basically the best that ever was. Yeah. And so Wagner was sort of, you know, down and out and, and depressed because Beethoven was basically writing the best music that was ever going to exist. And Wagner was like, I want to write the best music that's ever going to exist, but I can't do that because like, it's already been written and this guy's doing it. Um, but the story I've heard is that when Beethoven's ninth comes out and Beethoven brings a choir in to his orchestra, Wagner gets his, his epiphany that there's a greater scope for art than just composition. And so he comes up with this idea, opera definitely existed, but he comes up with this idea of total art, the, the notion that an artist would, would develop not just the score and the libretto of an opera, but it's staging. Um, he invented a, a new musical instrument. There's a, a horn that he invented so that his his uh certain passages could have a different you know color in them um 
He designed the costumes for the entire thing. He designed the opera house to actually house this thing. And his original plan was that he would put all of this together. He would put his thing, his magnum opus takes like a day, basically, to 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 watch. It's five separate operas. And if you put them all back to back to back, it's like 14 plus hours or something. Okay, um, yeah. So his, his conception was he would put all this together, get it all together, get the actors, train the actors, train the singers, train the orchestra, design the costumes, have those constructed, build the thing, build the sets, design the sets, set it all up, do the show, do like a month's worth of shows or a week's worth of shows, then you know send everybody out, pile all the crap inside, and then burn the entire thing like a bonfire as just a one-off just like one total piece of art absolutely under control of the artist so like if you thought prince was a control freak like <laughs> wagner wagner's like a whole different level that's absolutely it's, it's that's that's the genius that's the mad genius the mad genius that, that right. is that is the absolute definition like that is i was gonna like, say it sounds like a producer but like a more a director, producer, musician, a yeah, composer. Yeah. He was he used everything, and then yeah. and also crazy because he's like, oh, this will be special <laughs> if it lasts more than a minute. I gotta burn it. <laughs> right. <laughs> huh. But now imagine a world in which the production of those things becomes so inexpensive that's actually reasonable. Mm -hmm. That between between. Uh, you know, AI-assisted creation, uh, or perhaps even uh, augmentation, people could actually have produced on their behalf one-shot entertainments that, you know, like an entire 10-season binge-worthy fantasy epic that's the kind yeah. of fantasy epic you personally, you know, you yeah. and your wife personally like with the yeah. themes and meanings that you feel are critical. That's crazy. With references yeah. to ancient hey. Mid-Eastern and medieval Central African and modern Chinese themes, because you just that's what you just typed in one day. And and this thing poops out and you binge it for a month and a half and then you just hit delete because you know, who cares? That's that has to be far. I feel like that's pretty far. I mean, like in the future, like that. Right. Yeah. Right. I, at least for that to be readily available for uh, a regular plebeian. Like that, that's uh, I, I think far. I think it probably is. But I mean, that's to me, that's that's the that's the road that this is on. Wow. And 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 that road's getting getting chewed up really, really quickly. That's crazy to think about. I mean, I, I I can't. The only argument I have to this is that it needs it does need the base data. Like you do need to pull from something for it to regurgitate, remix, whatever that's, you're doing. That's absolutely true. That is that's the one nugget of, of saving grace of my co-host Marty likes to, to point out if these things get to be faster than us. Mm hmm. Right now, there's a lot of controversy. They're using a lot of, of you know, published data that's under copyright 
that they're like, well, we're not really violating copyright because we're just sticking in the computer and who knows what comes back out the other end. But there's an enormous fund of data that's not under copyright. It's just old. Public domain. Yeah. Public domain. Um, most of uh, Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. Sherlock Holmes yeah. is is still a modern pop culture figure right now. Oh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh just uh, hit it. I'm, I'm sure you saw that right. terrible movie that happened or heard about it that you, came out last no, January. Yeah. yeah. So, so early 20th, 19th century, there's no film, but there's an awful lot of, of great writing that comes out of that period massive amounts of poetry um and the cultural depth that exists you know china has 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 cultural depth going back a couple thousand years yeah yeah um so let's say that these things get to be a hundred times faster than us and you train it up with data that's all fully public domain but happens to be a hundred years old so it's all kind of old fashioned and it sucks for a year. And then it's 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 evolved itself into something that's basically modern. And a year after that, it's evolved itself into something that's that, you know, looks like awesome sci-fi. Uh, you know, think about so like 2001 has aged pretty well. Star Wars has aged pretty well, but enormous amounts of science fiction is just a pure period piece Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree um yeah like in the year 2004 we'll be on mars and like okay right well or and also the the costuming is is all sort of heavily you know influenced by the fashions of the day star wars has a little bit with some of the hairstyles but you know lucas's decision to make leah have no bra they won't have them in space right that's right no bras in space but yeah the 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 bun hairstyle divorced Mm -hmm. her from other things whereas you know other 70s sci-fi everyone's running around with farah hair and stuff so science fiction very much turns into time capsules and it's not just in in films the golden age sci-fi isaac asimov wrote enormous amounts of short stories back in the 30s and 40s and they don't have any computers in them so they're like you know exploring the galaxy and they've got robots and they don't have computers because computers hadn't been invented so they've got these things that look like people and have this system he invented called positronic brains, but they don't have computers because computers hadn't been invented and he didn't think of them. That's just the, it, I think he unconsciously, or not unconsciously, but no doubt knowing it implied it because the positronic, that, that, that is right. a computer. Yeah, he's That's, implying it, but one yeah. of the things that happens in, in a lot of these stories is that uh, pilots and engineers in spaceships are using... Uh, uh, log, you know, slide rules, and and log tables, and and ballistic tables, and like looking stuff up in books. No. <laughs> I'm serious. No, no way. <laughs> there's a book by uh, Robert Heinlein called Starman Jones. It was written in probably the early '60s, maybe the late '50s, and the protagonist of the story has a, a photographic memory. And in this world, they have interstellar travel. Um, There's certain points in space that you can hyper jump through. 
but the process of hyperjumping is very complicated. You have to get very, very near the speed of light in this very, very remote part of space okay. and, and sort of accelerate at the right speed at the right direction in order to pop through in the right other place. And so the, the people who navigate these starships are incredibly good mathematicians um, that are aided by a computer. Okay. But one of the issues is that the computer speaks in binary and people speak in numbers. And so uh -oh. <laughs> they have books that have the number binary codes so that you can do the numbers in numbers with people and then, and then, translate those numbers to the binary codes to punch into the computers and not only that but they've got books on the the numbers because the complicated calculus equations that you have to do are too complicated for the computers to do and so people have to do those but they're too complicated for people so people need these books with large tables and because of his eidetic memory when those books are destroyed in, in a in a you know mm -hmm. side quest thing he becomes the the only source of of being able to do this math in the ship i, I... There's so much into what you just said that's raised my hand. What this makes no, but um, it's it's kind of funny though how much, how smart that concept is, but how short. I don't I don't want to say short sighted to be insulting, but how much you missed with yes, like okay, if we got if we're a spacefaring civilization, we got this far to where we learn how to do jump portals if they exist, and we're able to do all these things. We still need to talk to the computer in binary. Like we, right. like like just you. This is an incredibly like far out science science fictiony thing. It's like it's like it's kind of it's really it's kind of brilliant. But to say that you, it, it's really short sighted to be like we can't make a computer yet. We can't make a computer that we can talk to or type it or that can't even do basic computations. Right, <laughs> like, right, yeah. I, I, that's that's fun. It makes me think: Are we? What are we doing now? You know, like, is there something that we think now? Like, is we doing that? And we just don't. You don't know what you don't know until you don't know it until someone right. tells. Like, like we're exactly. probably doing because we like you know transhumanism. I swear we had to switch topics, but just like you know, like um, uploading a brain to uh, a computer. What if like there's something uh so obvious that in a hundred years you'd be like oh do they didn't think about that or you know that, my, that we're looking back favorite, on now and yeah my my favorite thought experiment on that is hot air balloons okay so uh as every aficionado of uh highlander knows the hot air balloon was invented in 1783 okay uh the Montgolfier brothers, I can't remember which one it was, maybe Jacob, was apparently watching clothing drying on a line above a fire. And he noticed that the that the smoke coming up, yeah, caused, caused sort of billowing of the clothes to, to come up. And he came up with this theory that soot have, had like negative gravity. And so that you could basically push soot up into cloth and it would catch and push up oh, the entire I, that, system. That's so interesting. I think I know where you're going, but continue, please. Well, so he 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 talks his brother into it, and a year later they they build and demonstrate in Paris the world's first hot air balloon, and man could fly. The the technologies required to get a hot air balloon to work are 
cloth that's roughly airtight, uh, fire, rope. In the basket. Yeah. yeah, but you can make the yeah. ro- the basket out of rope. Yeah. The 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 first stuff that existed that was capable of producing basically airtightish cloth was flax and hmm. high fat flax seeds which would have allowed polymerized linseed oil which is basically how they airproofed their their balloons okay um is we've we've got seeds you know archaeologically preserved it's between uh i believe seven and nine thousand years ago that that was developed so if you had some kind of you know connecticut yankee and king Arthur's court you know time slip type situation you could go back to not the pyramids and not sumer but 2,000 years earlier than Sumer. Are those seeds? And, and materials would exist that would allow you to build a hot air balloon. Oh. We could have had the hot air balloon like three millennia before we built the pyramids. But we didn't. <laughs> Mine, mind blown. Honestly, that's yeah. I thought you were going to say I was wrong. I thought you were going to say with the hot air balloon they were going to just puff up a bunch of soot, like on per, like just thinking that soot had anti gravity properties, and like the first hot air balloon is going to be a super dirty, inefficient, uh, disgusting soot balloon and like it was like it would work but not as well as it could have and it just like sprinkles soot everywhere and they would eventually find out oh it's the air not the dirt that's doing this but that's your point that we could have the tools were here it was just not a case of us figuring it out is actually crazier yeah so uh, think think if ramses the second or alexander the great yeah or yeah had what would flew. they have been able to do if i mean just just aerial observation alone would be such a huge advantage and it's not like people haven't been drying clothes over fire but that's been happening forever and for, well, for some probably yeah. as long as clothing has existed yeah, uh, yeah. the our current uh i believe there's a cave in china that pushed the man's mastery of fire back to a quarter of a million years Man, that's crazy. Oh, man, uh, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move the topic along. We're gonna go to our last question after my mind is blown. Um, this is this is the last one. Uh, if if you can understand this one, please answer it. I know what you said at the top, but I this I want to end on this one. Uh, would you rather be able to smell the sunrise or or um, hear confusion. Um. So smelling the sunrise is like some kind of synesthesia thing. There's people that can actually do that. No. Uh, uh, synesthesia? You're? Are you? Have you heard of this? I, I have not. But the someone's you saying someone can actually do this is what I'm 
saying no to. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are, in fact, sent crossover visual stimuli people. But synesthesia is a... Oh, synesthesia. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's like that condition where you yeah. can... Okay, I do know about that. I think you said sin of seizure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Synesthesia. And so there's people that have uh, uh, sensorial confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the brain uses signals to, to do things. And so um, I have noticed, I have a fairly sensitive olfactory. I've noticed cases where... I start being aware of a smell after I see the thing that causes me to sort of be aware of it. So like my brain is sort of intentionally using that signal. It's present, like that smell does exist, but it wasn't, it wasn't signaling to me with that. It was like, Oh, okay. Like, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to alert him to look over there that I know he that's in my field of vision, but like pay attention by, by, producing this scent that that's there and and providing that so i'd i'd imagine that there definitely are people who can in fact smell the sunrise no um no so hearing confusion that's a fascinating concept to me uh because a lot of the people I talk to are confused and I really love to do something about that. Uh, and so you'll, instead of if, expression, you'll, your ears will catch it first. Like, you know, you're, you're deep in talking or explaining it, then you hear it. Yeah. You don't even have to look up. Yeah. Right. Well, in particular, if, if there was like some kind of, of multidimensional map of confusion that would allow hearing confusion to actually guide your way through one of the things that i think is relatively interesting about hearing is that it's the easiest way for people to actually explore high dimensional spaces um so we you know see two dimensions and infer a third and and we can't really see three dimensions and we can't really infer fourth and fifth and eighth dimensional and other higher dimensional spaces but we can hear those things if we set it up properly and the modern like recording studio essentially allows us to create a a high dimensional space auditorially because if you have say five different instruments you can move them basically through intensity mixing you can move each of them independently closer and further away from you so if you close your eyes and you just listen you can have a auditory visualized space that or an auditorialized space that will actually be high dimensional as things move around in what would be a hypothetical like you wouldn't be able to physically move instruments because they'd be stuck in three dimensions but you could using modern you know recording equipment create an exploratory high dimensional space with distinguishable instruments and so uh if if you can you can only hear my confusion right now (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm trying to my hardest to catch up but if you could can hear it through the mic (laughs) right right so if you could hear confusion 
the 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 fact that auditory space covers this enormous span of intensities and flavors and, and all kinds of other things to me you may well be able to navigate confusion and have an entirely new scenario for for problem solving so i mean that's that's that that is tasty uh i i i i i want give me the ability to hear confusion like like you can't you, this can't be hypothetical you gotta you gotta give me this one i, I wish i could but you, if you can hear my head right now i'm spinning with like what it's like how, how can i hear huh you know but um well i, I want to how I, sorry I, I have to ask it how could the hell can you smell the sunrise because you know it's the earth rotating and the sun move you know it's not the sunrise is a it's um it's a it's 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 uh that's something that's it's not a physical object something that's happening it's it is that, it's, it is it's, but it's a sensorial expression that you are you are experiencing and so if you were a synesthesia if you if you had synesthesia uh, you might see the colors in the sunrise as smells. Um, but, oh, you okay. might you might see the that first glimmering, and I mean you can see this uh, in in Fantasia. They marry a knight on Bald Mountain with the Ave Maria, and the and they 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 link those two pieces together, and it closes with the 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 Devil Mountain, you know. Yeah, Chernabog, Chernabog, or something. I yeah, think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 the sun is rising and he cannot withstand the light, and yeah. so we go into the Ave Maria and we're as as the first glimmer of of sun is peeking out. You know, the the sky changes colors and and we hear the opening strains of the Bach and then the Gano, and and that. That's a that's a beautiful concept. Another one, um, the Phantom Tollbooth. Have you ever read this book? No, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's fine. It's a children's book. Um, there's a there's a part of it where uh, this this boy who's sort of drawn into this land of knowledge and imagination and adventure uh, runs across the Great Chroma, um, and he's this this conductor who who colors the world. So he has this he has this orchestra and the orchestra has, you know, violins and oboes and so on. But when they play, music doesn't come out, color comes out. And and so I love this concept. And and sunsets, they're him. He is doing that. And uh, uh, night falls and he goes to have a rest and leaves Milo there with uh, orders to wake him up in time for the the morning dawn. And Milo, you know, sticks around uh, and then decides just to, you know, give a little quaver, this little finger wag, just to kind of see what happens. And the dawn starts happening and it's beautiful. And so he kind of gets into it, but he kind of, it's a sorcerer's apprentice situation. He screws it up. And so the, you know, wild riots of colors are happening and he, he starts trying to sort of spastically fix it and he actually speeds up time. And so like an entire week goes by in a few minutes because he's, he's, he's conducting sunrises and sunsets and other sunrises and other sunsets. And finally, he just, he just, you know, collapses and just lets his hands fall to his sides and that causes it to go away. And the entire world turns into an uncolored comic book. 
because all the color is gone because they finally stop. And so he he kind of you know brings his head up and they come back up into sort of temporary thing and he goes and he wakes up the maestro and the maestro comments that he feels that he slept a, a week and he he feels great and he comes out and conducts the sunrise. So wow, I mean I, there's yeah there's these the, ideas yeah I, I like that uh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of this too plainly, but if you just blindfold someone, like, you know, they're in a bunker somewhere and you have a vent to the surface and like there's no, this is artificial light and that they're able to sniff the air in the bunker and they're like, oh, the sun's oh, well, coming that's up. That's easy. The sun's coming up. You know, like. That's like, easy. I can do that. What? It's like, if, what? Be like, you're not, you so, can't see the so, sun at all. You can't see the, so, you can't see the sky. So just, as the, oh, the sun's up, you know, it's. As the as the in the in the first if you've been around sunrises and I don't do this habitually, um, but there's there's usually uh, a couple of weather changes around a sunrise associated with that. Um, presumably, there's a relatively serious change in temperatures involved in either having sunlight or not having sunlight, um, and cool. there's a there's a a freshening in the air that is associated with with this that I've experienced before. Um, so so if that's all you're talking about, like <sighs> like people can do that. What? Not even not even particularly special people. That that would be it's so if I mean it stands to reason there's a bit of a weather change because it's light and like it's changing the atmosphere, but is heating up the air. Something's going to happen, but. To pick up on that, to, to, to smell that would be, I, I can't wrap my head in that. That'd be normal or that one could actually uh, smell that. I wouldn't call it normal, but I think it's, I think it's something that's within human ability and, and something that could be picked up, particularly if you happen to be in an environment with a, a particular nature um so if if it's sort of the the fall leaves and so the the wind stirring is going to stir up the leaves which you would hear in one place but also there's a certain musty nuttiness that would be added to the air in that first brush and be, be something that you'd actually be able to smell this is like wine tasting on a million steroids it's just there's no way you know and I'm someone who actually believes in wine tasting. I think they're like you can, but the sunrise is where I draw the line. <laughs> like, oh, there's a nutty scent in the air. What the? It can still be night. You don't know. I, don't, I get. Or, uh, all right. I, I won't rage against this, but if someone, <laughs> if someone I knew said I can smell the sunrise, I would challenge that heavily. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> but, hmm, all right. But you're you're picking. Uh, right. I'm picking confusion. hearing. I think hearing confusion, um, mm -hmm. not least because it, you could do it to yourself. So you could talk out your own confusions and hear them back, and and use that same multi-dimensional, you know, technology. How can you possibly use. soundscape? I, I I don't know if you can hear my head right now with that with that concept. I. I'm I'm really lost on that one. How you can sound, map out the confusion auditorily, but phew, all right.
I'll, I'll I'll have to settle for just not know not catching my not knowing that one. Um, we're gonna we're gonna end there. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, listeners of a thousand crazy questions, and uh, thank you Noah for being on. Um, is there anything that you know you want to plug or tell the listeners in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, if if you're interested in being confused some more like this, uh, Marty and I are talking about AI and and purpose and resources and what it might mean. Um, we've got ten episodes up right now, and we're we're trying to go for a fairly regular schedule um, for for a while. So there should be regular new content coming. It's called the Fourth Age: The AI Revolution, and it's on. all the platforms we could find so it should be out there nice all right cool um everyone go to instagram at 1000 crazy questions if you want to uh keep up with what i'm doing and that, that's the place i go to a lot is instagram to promote to update to do whatever um please rate the podcast on podchaser spotify all those other places i mentioned podchaser is a pretty good one it's where you find new podcasts and get uh, hooked on them and uh yeah that's all share this with your friends share this with your enemies everyone stay safe as always follow my music producer d800 d-800 at beatstars or soundcloud.com